0: February 18th 2022 and it is power to the pod here on a Friday morning we were originally going to do power to the pod recording last night on Thursday night surprise to the morning crowd you guys are getting a live recording and of course you are going to catch this on the podcast feed your questions your topics your hot takes anything and everything pertaining to the Miami Dolphins whatever you got to talk about we're talking about it here on the show let's get it.
1: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Graffs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at GiraffeNetwork.com, and pumped to be back with power to the pod. Now, here's the thing. Those of you who are here on the live stream, folks like Chris and Zach and Gavin and Jim and Kyle, I see you guys. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing great. Um, We have, here's the mistake that I made last week. I'm going to own up to it first. First and foremost, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. And Jim, if you, (laughs) Jim and Kyle arguing who is first in the comment section, I can screenshot it if you want and show how it came in on the back end on my, but. The mistake that I made uh was we're doing the giveaway. We've got two weeks uh to do merch. Uh, if you leave a review of the show, and in that review, leave a time in which you respectfully disagreed with something I said on the show. Uh, we are doing Miami Dolphins merch giveaway. That was announced last Friday, as prompted by a uh review, which we have a follow-up for today on the show. Uh But that has meant we have gotten a massive influx of reviews of the show in the past week. So we got a lot of review questions to get to. Uh, So I figured this might be a little workaround to prevent the chat section from getting too rowdy because I know the late night crew gets a little crazy. So with that said, let's talk a little Dolphins football. You guys who are here on the recording live, welcome. And if you do have any questions, drop them. I'll try to get to them as we work our way through as well. Uh, But your questions, your hot topics, your hot takes, anything and everything you want to talk about with the Miami Dolphins, that's what we're digging into today on the show. So our first review comes from Zach, and he wants to know if it would be wise for the Dolphins to build slash modify a bubble in which they can practice in cold or wet conditions on demand. And your quarterback review show you Mentioned throwing a cold, wet ball. I contend throwing a cold, wet ball is always very different when you are also cold and wet. Uh, this is a good point, but I don't know. Are you, are you going to build a bubble or modify a bubble specifically from scratch with in mind the young quarterback that you have on your roster? I don't think that you know that that level of investment is tough. I, I think you individually need to go places and expose yourself to conditions. So uh, from Tua Valo's perspective, he needs to go places that are colder. He needs to get up early in the morning when it's probably down in the 30s and get some workouts in and leave the balls in a bucket overnight and try and throw wet balls. Um, But I just think that is too steep of a – is there weather control? I don't know. I know you can crank the AC, but um, uh, next question comes from Jay Waddle, future at tight end. And this is this is fun. He's asking a draft prospect question, which is the quickest way to my heart. Absolutely love the show. Listen to every episode from over in Australia. I guess I'm, I'm not even going to try to do the math on what time it is down there, but I hope you enjoy enjoy the show. Uh, based on the scenario that Mike Gusecki is let go slash tagged and traded, I'd like your analysis on prospect Trey McBride, how he'd fit the team. And if it is someone you'd have had circled for a Dolphins draft target, not making a comparison, but I feel like he could play the Kittle role in McDaniels offense. So Trey, um, is an all around that's it, the right kind of player. Looking at Trey McBride from Colorado State, tight end, he went down to the Senior Bowl and uh, pretty good in the passing game. Uh, He's not the biggest or the longest or the strongest, and while he's effective as a blocker, thank you, Anders. Uh, It's 11 p.m. in Australia now. Not a math guy, so there you go. I would have butchered that by mile. Um, I don't think Trey McBride at the next level is going to be an asset in the run game to a degree that would excite me. Now, if he's a asset in the passing game and he's serviceable or baseline or above average as a blocker, um, I can get excited about that. I think the challenge with tight ends is so many tight ends as they transition into the league, they face a two- to three-year transition. And I think for Miami, if you want to hit the ground running, I think it would behoove you to make sure that you bring in somebody who's experienced at the NFL level with playing with his hand in the dirt. Um, Dalton Schultz is a name who's come up quite a few times. I see it in the the chat here on this show. I know I got it in a review question as well. And that's a a player that's high on my personal wish list for the Dolphins. Dalton Schultz uh, tied in from the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, power to pod question. in regards to Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase. I'm wondering why there is a discrepancy between your assessment of Jalen Waddle's ceiling during the Waddle-Chase kerfuffle and your assessment of Tua's ceiling doing during the Tua-Herbert-Burrow-Dust. Oh, this is an interesting question. I agree that Waddle was limited by all the things you pointed out, bad play calling, talent around him, I don't think Chase would have had the same statistical success under the same conditions either. We have to recognize that Chase has different physical and desirable traits that Waddle does not. We can call it Waddle's limitations. It can be argued that Tua has more hurdles in his two years than Waddle, unlike any young quarterback has ever had to deal with in such a short span of time. Uh, I'm, Tua has had about as unideal of a situation in the last two years of any quarterback in recent memory. I always struggle with putting him into that threshold of the most unideal working circumstances and situations of any quarterback ever. Uh, So the root of this question is coming down. What I would like to know is why under better conditions, you believe Waddle can be statistically just as good as Chase, but Tua under better conditions has the ceiling of a 11th to 20th quarterback and will never come close to Burrow or Herbert. I'm looking for something specifically to have that aha now I get it moment respectfully disagreeing with your assessment on to a ceiling. Okay, so this is a ploy for some merch. I get it. Um I think for the receiver position versus the quarterback position, there's different ways that you can play both of those spots. But I look at the receiver position, and there are a lot more different archetypes and models for success versus the elite of the elite of the quarterback position all seem to have several things in common. And I just don't know where Tua's physical ceiling measures versus the physical ceiling of top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, Tua's biggest areas for growth, because I think his physical profile at this point kind of is what it is, is mastering the pre-snap and post-snap processing of information. And how quickly you can do that, and how efficiently you can do that, and how quickly you can get your eyes to start in the right spot on the field for your progressions. And if he masters that, then the accuracy that he has is going to much more consistently show up. Some of the mechanical breakdowns that he's shown uh, are not going to be so persistent in his film because he's scrambling to catch up to where the eyes are supposed to be. Um, And I think that puts you at your ceiling as like you mentioned, right around that 12, top 12 quarterback in the NFL. Um, But he still has a lot of growth to get there. So you look at wide receivers, there's much more diverse kinds of skill sets that end up being elite types of players, where I just don't think there's that same diversity in what it takes from a physical profile to be a top-tier quarterback in the NFL. And I would say Joe Burrow doesn't have the strongest arm either. Uh, But Joe is ahead of Tua right now, in my opinion, based on pre-snap processing and information. And that allows him to be in the right spot more consistently before the snap. Matt, right on cue. Uh, Burrow does not have – Joe Burrow has an above-average arm from an arm strength perspective and I would say that Tua also has an above-average arm from an arm strength perspective. They don't have good arm strength. They don't have great arm strength, amazing arm strength. They don't have cannons, but they're above average. Next question comes from Taylor. Not even the, – the title is free merch. Okay, let's get after it. Uh, he says next season, would you rather have Josh Boyer at defensive coordinator and Dalton Schultz or the defensive coordinator of your choice? And Mike Gusecki. I would probably take. This is hard because I would prefer not to have Josh Boyer, but I would also prefer to have Dalton Schultz. If we're being honest, (laughs) um, You know what? At the end of the day, it's Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's, as the saying goes. So give me the player that I think is a better fit. So give me Dalton Schultz. I'll take Dalton Schultz out of this scenario. Uh, Power to the pod. Seb from London. Love the show. Been listening for the last two years. Been watched football for as long as I can remember, but you've always helped me understand in many ways. So thank you. That's as good of a compliment as you could possibly give me, is that I'm helping you experience the game of football in a different way. Question, what is the best way I can learn about offensive and defensive formations? It's the one thing I struggle with trying to get a deeper understanding of the game. Thanks, keep it up. Okay. Um, so there's some couple there's a couple places that you can find old school, and by when I say old school, I mean like nineties and early two thousands NFL playbooks. And, you know, you can Google download NFL playbook and there's some options for PDFs that are going to come up and things like that are kind of a cool way to have the diagrammed images because you see the formations, right? But you don't know what they're coded or what they're talking about And different coaches from different backgrounds and different trees, whether it's uh, Air Corral or West Coast, uh, their language is different. But the pictures and the formations themselves are, are actually all very, very similar. So um, try to get your hands on a couple of those would be my my recommendation and dig into them and, and kind of just make note. And I would do it now. The off season is the best time to install new information into your brain. And then you can go watch it and apply it. And you have a build up to the start of the season. Um And go from there and see if if that works for you would be my recommendation. Football season is over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, but it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, odds, right to Olympic coverage. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts. Is your team
1: eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for mock draft Monday on the locked on NFL draft podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast,
0: part of the Locked
1: On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Shame on me for thinking quick snapping you guys on an early review or early recording was not going to prevent the chat comments from filling up. It's great to see a lot of you guys, Matt, Carlos, Anders and Paul and Pat and David and Jim and Casey Finn and Chris and Dan. Welcome, first one catching the live show. Uh, Gavin, do you think Austin Jackson can actually do something in the McDaniel offense? If you missed yesterday's show, Gavin, I talked offensive line and, and did project him a little bit. Um. Carlos, any immediate reaction on Flores' interview with I Am Player? I have not seen it. Um, so I'll I'll, probably this weekend I'll have a little bit of free time. I'll try to carve something out and and take a look. I'm obviously interested in Coach Flo, and I do absolutely wish him the best. I know there's some Dolphins fans that will probably carry some hard feelings with, you know, what he's alleged from a competitive uh, integrity perspective against the Dolphins. Um, But Coach Flores, he was good to me and my select interactions with him and and hope for the best for him and hope he lands on his feet. Uh, bass 57 great work on the Dolphins' content. Love your out-of-the-box thinking, just like our new coach, Mike McDaniel. My question is, what if we swapped – from a 3-4 to a 4-3, which players will excel and which positions will we need to bring new talent in via free agency or the draft? So in a hypothetical in which you're changing your base front, uh, I, I do think you have the pieces to execute... You're four down, and the Dolphins ran a reasonable amount of four down with some of their sub packages last year. But you you would go Jalen Phillips, Christian Wilkins is on the three, and I think he'd be good in a three. I think his production this year is pretty in, indicative that he's capable of being a more aggressive player. You'd have Raquan Davis on the nose. Zach Sealer could be the backup rotational three. Or if you wanted to go with a more run heavy front, you could put Zach Sealer's the the front side defensive end and shift them over a gap so they're playing an under front and then bring the same linebacker and walk him down on the line of scrimmage. And now you're basically back to five men on the line of scrimmage, but it's four down in the linebacker instead of three and two stand up rush linebackers out of a two point stance. Um, I still think you're going to need more from the linebacker group. You, you're definitely going to need a, a coverage linebacker. If you're going to play in a four, three, uh, somebody who's capable in playing in space and you're, going to need a much more dynamic all-around skill player or player to play uh, the Mike linebacker spot. So I think it really, they're reasonably versatile on the front, but you're going to need a lot more in the linebacker group. So here's the the update that I teased at the top of the show. We heard from Drew uh, again, and Drew was the one who left us the review that prompted the merch giveaway last Friday. And he edit, there's an edit to his review, and he said, I respect the response to my comment, so I updated this review. It's now four stars. I'll take it, True. I'll take it. The show is always interesting, so no reason for a poor review, even though I do disagree with some of the things you've said, and it rubbed me the wrong way. I think you're going to see Tua's, quote, glass ceiling shattered, and I think McDaniel was the only choice from the beginning but only time will tell. I don't know what else I would listen to on the way to work each morning so thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm glad that you know me calling that review on the show was something that I wrestled with. It's like do I give give this attention uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm not so proud as to think that when my job is to have an opinion on everything, I'm not going to be wrong on some stuff. Right. And you learn pretty quickly in the space when when this is your job, Uh, you get humbled pretty quick. So I aspire to try to have good process, uh, but I'm not going to have an ego about my opinion and hope that it's right. To the degree in which I would root against a quarterback or root against a coach or anything like that. And, uh, Drew, I thank you for meeting me in the middle. Uh, And I'm glad that Locked on Dolphins can continue to be something that is a part of your daily routine. And I'm glad that we have this space to talk about the Dolphins, the team that everybody here loves. Uh, Lucas with a review. I originally wrote a glowing review when Travis was host. The content hasn't stopped being great with new host, Kyle Krabs. Power to the pod question. Thank you for the view. And Travis is excellent. And I hope you guys are all still listening to drive time. Uh, You've talked at length about wide receivers that can separate and how that Supports two of best, but this scheme demands wide receivers that block well. Who in the draft of free agency hits that mold? Disagreement leading up to the 2020 draft. You Celeste suggested Herbert would be a worthy selection at five. Five. I vehemently disagreed for various reasons. My bad. Um, wide receivers who can block. I think Mac Collins is where you have to start this conversation. There's two, three years of sweat equity in South Florida. Uh, he was a team captain last year, the financials are not going to be a problem. Get it done. Chris Greer, get it done. Get Mac under contract. Please and thank you. I think if you look at top of the draft wide receivers, uh, the logical place to start is a player like Traylon Burks, who is a – somebody who's shown he's capable of separating on the outside. Uh, He's done that. You've seen that on film against teams like Alabama. Um, You've seen his physicality as a guy who's 6'3", 220, um, and he played in an offense that had a pretty significant run volume. So, Traylon Burks, if you're talking first-round guys, if he's there, which I don't know that he will be, uh, would be one that that grabs my attention. I think – um David Bell from Purdue is another guy who runs really good routes. He's 6'2, 205, so he's a bigger player. Uh could bring you some value in that regard. I do think Christian Watson from North Dakota State played in a very run-heavy offense. He's legit 6'4-211, 6'5-211. Um, those are probably some of the day one and day two options that I would look at. And if I was gonna go with a, a slot guy, too, or a guy who can play in the slot, but isn't a bigger guy. I do think Garrett Wilson from Ohio State um, is worthy of some acknowledgement here too, uh, for the fact that Garrett Wilson, uh, Ohio State ran the like. I talked to him last weekend in Los Angeles when I was out there for Super Bowl coverage, and that was another interview that we're going to have dropping over the DraftNetwork.com here in the next couple of days. Uh, but Garrett Wilson, uh, we asked him about the offense that he was in and the pride that's taken in doing the little things that help create explosive plays. And that includes being a receiver that does not have ego and being involved in the run game. Uh, Yes, Matt, I do think Chris Olave uh, gives a great effort in that regard, but at the end of the day, he's six foot one ninety. He's not a bigger guy. That's not to say he can't give you impact there. uh, But I think Garrett Wilson's is a little shorter or um, a little more condensed, a little bit more physical as a player. Uh, so of the two Ohio state guys, I think just from a run game dynamic, um, and, and he can certainly separate over the middle of the field. I do have some questions about his consistency separating against press coverage against high level guys. That's probably something I think he's going to have to uh, continue to work on and develop at the pro level. Um, but he's shown he can run good routes. Uh, so Garrett Wilson and, uh, for the spirit of this question, Garrett Wilson and Trelon Burks are the two first-round guys, and then I would point to David Bell, Christian Watson, uh, even a guy like Sky Moore uh, as another slot guy from Western Michigan. Uh, plenty of options. It's just what do you want to prioritize the most? Toadfish, five-star review of the show. Okay, Toadfish, great show. I wanted to say I've listened every weekday morning For the past year, makes the drive go by rather quickly. Uh, Wanted to tell you something I disagree with in your takes, but as a long-suffering Dolphins fan, I just try to funnel the positive content and stay informed. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I appreciate that. I'll throw your name into the hat for the merch anyway. Uh, Used to think this is from PK Finn. Uh, Used to think I knew football. Uh, Appreciate your insights. They're amazing. Uh, Appreciate your steadfast support of the Dolphins can echo your statement. Lifelong Dolphins fan hoping for a better future. Um, That's for sure. You make the season season a lot more interesting. Thanks, Phil. Very kind. Appreciate that. Let's quickly, since we got two positive reviews without questions, we're going to take a live one real quick. Doug just threw this one in here. Kyle, people typically speak how they think, and how they think is informed by what they read outside of the domain of football. What do you read? Your ability to describe your thinking is elite. What do I read outside of football? Um, I wish I could tell you. I read a lot of books, or um, I do have a my higher level education. I did a couple communications. Um, classes. I did a couple English classes. So uh, I think I, I tap into that quite frequently. And and I would say a lot of my presentation of information has come from almost 10 years of like, I started out just doing this entrepreneurially on my own. So I got reps and reps and reps and reps and reps and reps and reps. Um, Probably an anticlimactic answer because I don't have anything good to read because I can't tell you the last time I read a book that wasn't something that, you know, I was reading scouting reports or something that we did. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's my application of it is probably more on me creating and producing content as compared to consuming content. Uh, fin 27, just listen to the recent pot for the people. Thank you for explaining your volume and being due to you on the road. Uh, it sounded much better. Yeah, that's, uh, our next travel trip is not this next week, but the week after that, we're going to Indianapolis for the NFL combine. I'll be there all week. Um, got some new stuff to try for podcast audios, so keep your fingers crossed for me. Uh, Sam, love the show, kind of excited by the McDaniel hire. I think the Dolphins have an athletic weapon in Jalen Waddle, who has the speed and versatility of a Debo. I would disagree with the versatility, respectfully. Um, he's faster than Debo, but he's 30 pounds lighter than Debo. I also think that Giseki can be. to 90% of Kittle's passing game role. So with a few additional upgrades to personnel in this creative scheme overhaul, why aren't you excited about the McDaniels hire? What are your reservations? Best Sam. P.S. We agreed on how the Dolphins should handle Xavier Howard's contractor in camp. I felt the Dolphins should do anything for Aaron Rodgers, which you didn't agree with. Also feel Flores was deservedly fired. Um, Still listen to your daily show daily. Jim, hold that thought. I see you in the comments. I like what you're doing there. I'm cautiously optimistic, I think is the best way to describe it. But as a lifelong Dolphins fan, and I know a lot of you guys can relate to this, um you buy in too much too quickly, and you end up with ego in your face. And I'm transitioning my own thought process and how I approach the team and have been trying to, you know, since the rebuild started in 2019. To be very process oriented and then marrying the, that process orientation with results. And I thought the Dolphins rebuild had a lot of things that were good process. Not everything was good process, uh, but I also thought they had reasonably good results. That usually doesn't transition into a coaching change. So I'm just a little apprehensive that a coaching changed amidst the direction of the team over the last three years and, and the effort that was made. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that what Brian Flores was putting together from a coaching staff level was sustainable. Cause when we talked about it in October, I was like, if you make changes at the end of the year, but you want to bring back Brian Flores, where are you going to find offensive coaches? Like you've emptied the well and it's you're halfway through year three. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Brian Flores approach was sustainable for success, but usually when a team doesn't have the level of wins and success in situational football and uh, the roster rebuild, when it trends up, you know, and we do have two years of a plateau at nine and ten wins uh, that left the Dolphins on the outside of the both of the playoffs both times, despite the fact that they were winning seasons. Um, that usually doesn't result in that change in direction. So that's unorthodox from a process perspective. But if we get to the end of next year and we see that, okay, they won 10 games again, they made the playoffs, and everything materialized, and it wasn't this dramatic shift, and it was just kind of a pivot, then I'm going to be excited. Uh, But I, I have to see those results first because the process is not traditional uh, for what the team's success has looked like the last two years from a wins and losses perspective, which, you know, you can win in different ways. And I think the Dolphins have won plenty of games ugly. And we've been frustrated plenty of times with how they've chosen to handle games once they've gotten up on top of teams. But uh, at the end of the day, you you are judged by wins and losses. Jim is looking for a protein bar, a workout bar wants to know if I can recommend any. I can, actually. Uh, I would definitely recommend Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar. that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. There's 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And best of all, they are absolutely, positively delicious. You can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That's Built.com. Promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Josh, x a cryptic tweak shortly after Flo was dismissed. Are we looking at similar drama to last year, or do you think McDaniel cuts bait? Love your show. Um, I don't envy them for having to make the decision. I would say this. Xavier Howard has now put together two of his best seasons in the NFL, and he stayed healthy for both of them. I would probably be inclined right now, especially with all the change that's going to be happening on the offensive side of the ball. I would be inclined to make Xavier Howard work this year. I'm excited to see uh, how he's received by Sam Madison. Uh, the coach who's coming in here, uh, Dolphins great Sam Madison, who's going to be uh, serving as an assistant coach on the staff, uh, which might be a, a nice parlay for uh banana crapshoot. Who is the next ex-Dolphins player to be hired as a position group coach in Miami? Let's keep it in the second. Let's just bring Pat Sertain back. That would be my answer, that one. I know JT's busy in the booth. Uh, he's working on his broadcast career, and he's very good at it. I can tell you that because I had a chance to watch the first half of the uh, the Patriots game uh, from the booth that Jason was working in on the radio call, and he blew me away how play happens, and he's got six reactions to separate things that happen. And I know for me, and like I watch tape for a living, right? I'm so I'm dialed in on this position group or this position group, so I got two observations. But then I got to rewind and watch it again to see the other position groups and the other position groups. Like he sees the whole field so incredibly well, it blew me away to watch Jason. work. So I don't want to take that away from Jason. I would say that. I love watching. Selfishly want to see Jason in the booth. <laughs> uh, okay, AOS, listen to your content every morning. Love the context you bring. How would you feel about Christian McCaffrey for San Francisco's first-round pick? Okay, so I don't mind the idea, and I actually would champion the idea of bringing in a veteran player for uh, this first-round pick. But Christian McCaffrey is a tough sell because here's – of course, I'm going to do this on the fly, so you guys are going to have to watch me struggle through the keyboard. Christian McCaffrey the last two years has missed a significant amount of time. He's played 10 games the last two seasons. And that is on the heels of 403 touches in 2019. 511, 205, his touches per year. 197 as a rookie. Great. 326 in 2018. little ambitious. 2019, 403. They gave him even more. And then the last two years combined, he has 212. Last two years combined, 212. Um, That's scary. That's very scary for Christian McCaffrey as a player that his availability has taken such a steep turn. You see this with backs often. And I would be very apprehensive about McCaffrey being on that cusp and that downturn as he's getting ready to turn 26. Now, from a financials perspective, I think it is at, at least worth acknowledging Christian McCaffrey. If you were to trade for Christian McCaffrey right now, uh, you would owe him $8.6 million this year uh, between a base salary of 8.4 dollars and a $200,000 workout bonus and then you would owe him $12 million in each of the next three seasons after that. That salary, um, the only guarantees on that salary, however, you could pivot away from it if you wanted to, uh, 8.1 of his salary this year, which if you were trading for him, he'd be on the roster, so it's not a big deal, that that's guaranteed money, um, is guaranteed now. And $1 million... Of his 2023 salary, 1 million of the 11.8 that he has is guaranteed due to injury as things currently stand. So uh, you're not locking yourself into a lot of guaranteed money uh, with that deal, but it's the availability that scares the hell out of me. If you're talking about bringing Christian McCaffrey into the fray, having missed uh, 2017, he's missed a full season's worth of games plus in the last two years. Uh, this one comes from Paul. Not sure on the McDaniel hire, but love his passion. He's the Dolphins coach, so I'm all in. There you go. I dig it. Would love to hear a view of the past mocks you've made, say the past three to five years, to see who you would have chosen versus the, who the Dolphins have actually chosen. Uh, that's fun off-season content that maybe we can get into uh, right before the draft or right after the draft this year. So keep an eye out for that. But that there's no way I'm getting that one in. <laughs> and there's a lot of comments. I don't think I'm going to get in uh, just based off the volume that we have and we're 35 minutes in and uh, my little sleepy head starting to stir and wake up upstairs. So I'm going to keep, com- keep coming with a couple more of these uh, podcast reviews. So try to get a couple of these live comments you guys are dropping in. Uh, Martina, I want Trey McBride at 29. Uh, is McBride too much of a reach at 29? Here's the thing about reaches in the draft. And this, this is from Martina Davies in the comment section. Here's the thing about reaches in the draft. It's only a reach. If you know, for a fact, the rest of the league is going to be out on that player. And the fans on the outside do not have anywhere near the level of understanding of what teams are are aspiring to accomplish in the draft um as the inner circles do there's a lot of information that, that there's a lot of misinformation but there's also a lot of playing player picks that are kind of well established that that's going to be there if that player's on the board and I think you saw that evidence last year when uh, Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy, who is a part of he, – he came over and and joined us for a partnership for part of our draft coverage over the draftnetwork.com. He had 16 picks right in the first round. He did that by his own intel, his own hard work. Um, And, and we were all kind of sitting around, everybody at TDN, and Josh and it was like, hey, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? And he pieced it together. He got half the picks right. And it was not just a guess. Like it was, oh, I heard so-and-so, I heard so-and-so. You talk to agents, you talk to teams, you talk to players, all that jazz. You piece all that together. Um, so I would not draft Trey McBride at 29. I look at his evaluation as a player. If he's there at 50, I think you think about it real long and hard. But if there's another team that's in that ballpark, that's ready to make that pick and you decide that's your guy, you then have to ask yourself the question, well, I know he's not going to be there the next time he comes back around. That's that's for you and your inner circle to decide, right? Um, but to answer your question, Martina, no, I, I would not be happy with Trey McBride at 29, personally, uh, especially with the um potential in free agency to add tight ends. Tone. Here's a good question. Is the draft process less exciting for you personally considering we pick so low? No, it's just a different kind of strategy. And um, it's fun. It first of all, thank God we're not picking in the top 10 this year. Um, regardless of whether or not this was Miami's pick or San Francisco's pick. That's kind of aside the point. Um you get excited about adding elite football players, right? But at the same time, like you want this team to continue to pick higher and higher and higher. Uh, now, if we get to 2023 and the 49ers stink out loud and they end up being, maybe they're maybe they're playing chess, not checkers here, right? And they, they know they got San Francisco's first round pick next year too, so they're hiring all their coaches away. I don't know. But if San Francisco stinks out loud, I'm, I'm going to be super pumped about a top 10 pick. But this year, it's, it's more hypotheticals and more scenarios and more blanks to try to fill in. And uh, that, to me, is exciting because that's the spirit of the draft process. FinFan927, what do you think of a running back room that consists of Duke Johnson, Raheem Mostert, Cordero Patterson, and mixing some touches for Lim Bowden? I think Ahmed may stick because of the connection, but I don't think him or Gaskins is worth investing any more time into Gaskins vision is bad. And if we're going to be running zone, that's a key attribute. Uh, also really feeling this Mick coachin vibe. I really want this to be the last coach Ross ever hires. I think everybody wants this to be the last coach that Ross ever hires, right? I think we all want him to be successful. Um, Duke, Mostert, Patterson, and Bowden. The only thing I would ask is who's running with power. Because Patterson's a bigger body guy. Bowden's not a big guy in the scale of running backs. Mostert's not a big guy in the scale of running backs. And Duke Johnson's not a big guy. I I need a 220-pound guy to put into this group. And if you give me that, then I think we can really work with this is the, uh, the baseline success. You get excited about this. Uh, OC search from Ben. This came in on the 11th. Uh, we've obviously made a head coaching hire. So Ben, I want to shout you out, but I'm not going to read your question because they hired Frank Smith. Uh, let's see. Mr. Doctor, excuse me, Dr. Big Huck with a review of the show as well. Love the show. That's what I listen to. Came initially due to draft dudes and stayed for great dolphins content. My question is, how critical do you think hiring Wes Welker is at wide receiver coach for Jalen Waddles development? One time we disagreed, and I didn't write anything in. So when the Dolphins drafted Jalen Phillips over Quiddy Pay, it was concerned about Phillips' past medical history, and it was betting on the tra- betting on the traits over the number one guy on Bruce Feldman's freak list in Pay. Um, yeah, I think Wes. If you guys haven't listened to the fish tank where Wes Welker comes on, uh, go listen to that. It was really cool to hear Wes talk about the intellectual side of playing wide receiver and working in the slot. And he said, look, got the guys who play on the outside, that's freak show versus freak show. That's freak athletes, mano y mano. At some point, you know, working out there, you just got to be the better guy. You got to be the better man to win out there. But if you were to, play inside. You can kind of understand and anticipate coverage is a little easier because there's only so many different ways that they can attack you. And are they playing you with a safety who's off? Are they playing you with a backer who's pushed? Are they playing you pressed with somebody in your face? And then the first three steps based on what the pre-snap look is, is going to tell you what kind of coverage you're working with and where you need to go with the ball. The more of that experience, which is how Wes made his hay in the NFL, Jalen Waddle can be exposed to. I think it's huge for him as a player. King Short, what do you think of drafting the San Diego State punter in round two? He's a weapon. I am all for special teams and upgrading the punter position. I'm not drafting a punter in the second round. I apologize. Uh, Blood Axe with a review. This is another follow-up from uh, a review earlier in the year constructive feedback. I originally left a negative review mid-season, complaining of false advertising due to iTunes reviews being ignored. To be honest, I was put off, I think is what you tried to say, that I could not join the YouTube live feed. Uh, I did listen to the podcast version when you read that review and appreciate your response. More important, importantly, I am thankful to see that your presentation has changed. Good. I'm glad we're, again, we're burying... Barry and hatchets here today on the February 18th episode of Locked On Dolphins. But Bloodaxe's question, which is more important than personal feuds with the, with the podcast. With the offensive coaching overhaul and most likely a zone blocking scheme on the way, how does the current offensive line stack up or will this hurt or benefit the current roster? Who will be most likely to go due to poor scheme fit? So obviously this says parallels to what we talked about yesterday on the show when we assessed the offensive line. But I think the one who's potentially primed to benefit the most, I think Robert Hunt has enough scheme versatility. He's going to be able to have success either way. Uh, I think Michael Dieter has enough positional flexibility that he's going to have a reasonable chance to start. Uh, if they don't draft a center, he should be expected to be the starter, and I think it would be- this scheme would benefit him. Because one of the areas that I thought he really shined at Wisconsin was his lateral mobility for a a player of his size, especially it's not as good as Tyler Linderbaum's from Iowa. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that that's the case, but for a guy who's three fifteen, I think Dieter laterally moves very well. It's a nice blend of mobility and size to to have at the center position. Uh, I think the one who could benefit the most to this is Austin Jackson, but as we said yesterday when we did the offensive line assessment, he's got to have much better instincts and anticipation for pre-snap look to post-snap moving targets, and he needs to dramatically overhaul and upgrade his uh, hand technique and ability to strike at first contact. But that athleticism can really shine in this kind of offense if you get those other pieces of the puzzle right. (laughs) Holder Zito. My four-year-old just ran into the room and demanded I ask if Ridley is a realistic trade option, not in terms of compensation, but as a fit for the McDaniel offense. I think you can get away with a lot at the wide receivers group. If you have the right tight end group to complement it, no, San Francisco. Yes, they had a lot of big-bodied, physical guys at wide receiver because they wanted guys who were going to block in the run game and help spread big runs. And that's going to be a, a requirement for a lot of what Miami does. But if you have the ability to have some speed separation guys who aren't big guys, and you know that's Calvin Ridley. You know he's not a big guy. But if you have those types, then you also need to have complementary options in the passing game. And then it's up to the coaching staff to How do you inter intertwine them and intermix them? It, so if they want to prioritize two receivers who can play in the slot, but also win on the outside in Jalen Waddle and Calvin Ridley, that's fine, but don't expect a lot more to be added to that group in that capacity. Then you're going to have to go get a – Uh, Christian Watson in the second round, if he's there, if you want to triple down at wide receiver, or you're going to have to go re-sign Matt Collins and go re-sign another big body guy. Um, So I I wouldn't rule anything out. It's just going to be tough to um, keep context with all that. Let's get one more in. Let's get two more in two more. Uh, Jesse. Do you see anyone on the current offensive line turns the quarter. Ah, I just did this, Jesse. Let's do the next one. And it's a TDM mock. That's perfect. It's from Trey. Uh, Chris Olave, wide receiver, Haas State at 29. Bernhard Raymond, offensive tackle from Western Michigan, Central Michigan, at 50. Leo Chanel, linebacker Wisconsin at 101, Brian Robinson Jr., running back Alabama, and linebacker slash edge defender Jesse Lucchetta, Penn State, in the fourth round. Uh, I like all these players. I think Chris Olave has the potential to develop into a Will Fuller-type receiver. Uh, He wins vertically down the field. He's not great forcing broken tackles. I think he's got enough twitch And I think he can really continue to develop as a route runner to become that all-around kind of receiver that Will Fuller was uh, his final year in Houston before he got suspended. And then obviously when he got here, he got hurt. Uh, Raymond is a big risk, in my opinion, for the Dolphins. Uh, He's super athletic. He used to be a tight end in college. You know, He's only played two years of offensive tackle. Do you want the Dolphins getting their hands on another one of these kinds of players? I probably would go in a different direction with that one, but I get the thought process and I understand why the pick was made. Leo Chanel is a perfect replacement for, um, Atlanta Roberts on the inside at the, at a backer position. I think he plays the exact same position. I think he gives you reasonable upside in the early downs. No, he's not somebody who's going to be on the field for me on third and 12, unless he's blitzing. But, um, it's the same kind of player as Atlanta Roberts, but I think a, a, significantly better version of it brian robinson that's that 220 pound guy we were just talking about on the other running backs question right um i can can see the vision there um concern about him if the dolphins are going to primarily play wide and outside zone if they're going to be an inside and wide zone team instead Uh, i think that you could possibly get a marriage of traits there that would make sense and then jesse lucetta yes Guy played stack linebacker, played on the edge, 260 pounds, very physical, very long, high-energy player. I'll take those guys in round four all day long, all day long. But that is going to do it for us. 50 minutes on YouTube, Locked on Dolphins. Make sure you like the video. Hit subscribe to the channel. That way you get push notifications on your mobile devices when we do go live because I like to jump around with these and keep you guys guessing. Um, And a whole bunch of iTunes reviews that I have not gotten into yet, including ones from GoFinsGo, Anders, Dick Diesel Daddy, Adam Schultz, Chad Miami Dolphins, Dolphins Ray, Dan Esquire. I see you guys. You guys – A, you're already entered into the the Dolphins merch giveaway for next Friday, but B, I'm going to get to your reviews at a later time. So stick with me. Please understand I made the mistake of saying, leave a review, we're going to do merch giveaway, and that means everybody left the review. So uh, I see all you guys. You guys are going to get your your comments read. uh, So stay patient with me as we get there. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Keep it locked in right here in Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it.